This is Sports Talk with Phil Cordblue, Chris Bergen, and Pat Daniel. Sports Talk is heard across the state on radio affiliates of the Sports Talk Media Network and is streaming live on SportsTalkSE.com as well as Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. The South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number to call in is 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition of Sports Talk. And good evening, everybody. Welcome into Sports Talk here on the Sports Talk Media Network. It is a Wednesday night edition for you. We come to you from our studios here in downtown Columbia. Phil Kornblut and Pat Daniel and Chris Bergen will be joining us shortly from the Bergie Palace over in Sardis. Busy, busy show for you tonight as we cover a number of different things. First of all, USC basketball last night. Gamecocks gave a great effort. Gave a great effort. Another game they had a chance to win, but did not win. And that's a disappointing part for them. And Lamont Paris did not start G.G. Jackson. He did not say after the game. There were no South Carolina media there, I don't think. So there was no one there to ask him directly about that. So he did not volunteer why, but I think we all know why. And so I credit uh, Lamont Paris for taking a stand and uh, doing something publicly to uh, show that you can't do what G.G. Jackson did or any player who would do that. You can't do it. You just can't do it. So kudos to him. I thought he coached his tail off last night. If you watched the game, you could see the Gamecock bench. You could see him very animated along the sideline, had a good game plan, shot the lights out to start the second half, and then they just went cold. What do they say about basketball? It's a make-it-or-miss-it game. If you're making it, it's all good. If you're not making it, it ain't. And so they went dead cold for the most part over the last five minutes while Missouri never really did cool off. They couldn't D up Missouri, much like Arkansas. You know, the last few minutes against Arkansas, Arkansas pretty much got everything it wanted offensively and won that game in Columbia, though the Gamecocks had the last shot and a chance to pull it out and couldn't get off a good shot there at the very end and missed a shot point-blank range before that with a chance to win against Arkansas. But defensively is where they had their problems. And more of the same last night. Defensively just could not could not stop uh, Missouri. Missouri hit a lot of three-pointers, including that one by Nick Honor. Remember Nick Honor, the former Clemson guard? Well, he got the Gamecocks again. He hit that deep three late in the game, and that sort of gave – that sort of take the steam, took the steam out of the Gamecocks, I think. When he hit that ball, I think that pretty much sealed their fate there, and they kind of knew it. But again, I think when you look at this Gamecock basketball team in this season, because, look, it's a lost season in terms of the record and in terms of the NCAA tournament. Forget about it. Uh, you got you to look for little victories, and I think the little victories have to be measured in things like effort, things like culture, things like doing the little things the right way. And I think we're seeing more and more of that with this team as the season progresses. I do think, even though the record doesn't show it, I do think that they are overall playing better basketball than they were earlier. Now, earlier in the SEC slate, of course, they were playing some of the best teams in the SEC, and that's why it was so tough for them to win ballgames. Now they're playing 
teams more at their level. In fact, they'll go to Ole Miss on Saturday afternoon, and why shouldn't they think they could beat Ole Miss there? Ole Miss beat them in Columbia. Why shouldn't they think they uh, can't beat Ole Miss down down in Oxford? So the record's not going to be anything to build on or talk about if you're Lamont Paris, but I think there are other things that you can talk about and build on. Another solid performance from Josh Gray. He gave him uh, nine points. He gave him seven rebounds during his uh, time on the floor, 22 minutes plus. Uh, He continues to play extremely hard. Hayden Brown was exceptional uh, the entire game and gave great effort, 19.6 rebounds. Uh, Coming off the bench, G.G. Jackson was excellent with 23 points. However, he's got to get you more than two rebounds and no offensive rebounds. There's no excuse. I mean, I know he is on the perimeter a lot. He took six three-pointers. He took 12 shots overall. He has got to be a guy with his size and athleticism. He's got to hit the boards. Now, I don't know. I mean, is that instruction or is that effort or what is that? But he needs to hit the boards. He can't play a game and have two rebounds, not with his size. So tough loss for the Gamecocks last night, a game they were in. They shot a season-high 51% and still lost. See, that tells you that their defense did not travel with them well last night because Missouri ended up shooting uh, less than the Gamecocks, just a little bit, uh, 50.9%, and the Gamecocks shot 52%. Kobe Brown was outstanding for them, 19 points. They had four in double figures. Sean East had 15 points. So this Missouri team, is um, they're one to watch. Uh, they're getting better. They're now 18-6 and six and 6-5. Six and five in the SEC. So we'll have some comments from Lamont Paris for you a little bit later on tonight. we got a lot to jam in here tonight. A little bit after 7 o'clock. Well, before that, a little bit before 7 o'clock, Lee Sterling will join us. Uh, Lee will be here for his Sterling picks on the Super Bowl. So get ready for that. Then, a little bit after 7 o'clock, about 7.05 or so, David Foreman, who's the vice president of the American Gaming Association, you know this is a huge week for them. Uh, he's going to join us to talk about it being a huge week for his industry. I mean, billions and billions of dollars being wagered on the Super Bowl. In fact, I updated our poll question of the week after the G.G. Jackson question was answered by the action of Lamont Paris last night. So we have a new poll question of the week, and it is the Super Bowl is Sunday, and the Eagles are favored by one and a half over the Chiefs. The Eagles are favored by one and a half over the Chiefs. Who you got? And 56 votes in this afternoon. 52% have the Eagles laying the points, and 48% have the Chiefs taking the points. I'm going with the Eagles right now. I know Mahomes is Mahomes. I still wonder about his ankle. I mean, the week off, the two weeks, probably going to help him there a good bit. Still have to wonder about that. Uh, that offense by Philadelphia, with what they can do with the quarterback and how he's just a, he's not a great thrower, but he can throw it. But he is an excellent runner, and he is hard to contain when he gets on the edge. And their offensive line, I mean, you watch them over and over again when they – have it to third and short, fourth and short. All they do is take Hurts, uh, put him behind the center, 
uh, put two backs right off his rear end, uh, bring everybody in tight, and it's like a rugby scrum. That's how they look at that, like a rugby scrum. Their offensive line might be second to none in the NFL. That's how good their offensive line is. Uh, so I like the Eagles laying the point and a half. I mean, everybody believes it's going to be tight. Everybody believes it's going to be close. Uh, the point and a half might make a difference in terms of how things turn out at the cash register for you. But on the field, I think the Eagles are going to win this. Um, their defense is outstanding, too. Look, everything I say about the Eagles, I could pretty much say about the Chiefs. That's how closely these two teams are, are paired up, at least on paper. So going to go with the Eagles here. I'll lay the point and a half. Going to go with the NFC team and see what, what they can do. Your thoughts on that as well. Phone number, 888-898-2525, South Carolina Education Lottery Lucky Number here on Sports Talk. Basketball tonight, we've got the South Carolina women on the road to play at Auburn no, tonight. Oh, what is tonight? Wednesday. Oh, that's right. Tomorrow's Thursday. Tomorrow night, the South Carolina women on the road to play at Auburn. I had my days ahead of myself. That was not the voice of God coming through. That is Chris Bergen <laughs> now joining us from the Berge Palace. Uh, thank you for that. For some reason, my mind jumped ahead to Thursday. That's all right. I mean, if you want to slide ahead and get your trip underway, we're more than happy to help you. No, no, no. But, but that means you'd be doing a basketball game tonight if it were Thursday. Yeah, night, yes. yeah. <laughs> no well, doubt. if it were, if tonight were tomorrow night, you'd be getting ready for basketball. <laughs> so I'm glad tonight I, is not Thursday. Yes, because then you wouldn't be here. And I could not agree with you any more about what you said to open the show about the way South Carolina played last night. If they play like that at Mississippi, they should win the game, mm-hmm. quite frankly, because that's about as well as they can possibly play. They're just not getting the results. But I think you're right about them. They've hit on something. And maybe it's just finally you know, all the guys being able to play with one another for more than five or six games now that they've gotten late into the season. I mean, they're 25 games in come Saturday. Uh, they're starting to learn one another. They had a high assist ratio last night. I thought they did a pretty good job protecting the basketball. 14 turnovers. Now, it did lead to 18 points for Missouri, but that's what Missouri does. And I thought, for the most part, the Gamecocks played about as well as they could possibly play last night. Now they've got to find a way to finish those games so they get you know, they, they see the effort leading to something other than another loss. Uh-huh. Because sooner or later, that's going to start to wear on you. But uh, you look at Missouri, for instance, that's a team I'm not sure I'd want to see on my side of the bracket in the NCAA tournament, partly because of Kobe Brown. He is terrific. He's an old guy. He's, he's the old school guys now, Phil. You don't see a, a player anymore stay at his school where he started. This is where he is. He's, a, I believe, a senior this year. He's played his entire career at Missouri, and he is an absolute beast down inside. And then they bring in a guy like Demoya Hodge, who came over with their head coach from Cleveland State. And if I'm not mistaken, in his league, when he was playing at Cleveland State, he was their defensive player of the year. Mm-hmm. And now he's added offense to go along with the five steals he had last night. They've got the complete package. I'm not saying they're a Final Four-type team, but I could see them making a run to the Sweet 16 because of how they play, especially on defense. They turn you over, and – Probably not going to shoot 51% every night, but they shoot it well enough to to give a lot of teams a lot of problems. But I was very impressed with USC last night in a losing effort. I thought they played about as well as they could possibly play. I agree. I agree. And if you stayed up late last night, you saw the record by LeBron James becoming the NBA's all-time leading scorer. Uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar was there. James Worthy was there. And it was typical LeBron. He uh, hit, hit a couple of shots uh, as, a, as the numbers were counting down, hit a couple of shots driving hard to the basket. The uh, record shot and a great call 
by the announcer for, uh, was it TNT? I think it was on TNT. Uh, great call as the ball was released. He said, I think, for the record, and the shot went in. It was a step back, the uh, trademark step back jumper by LeBron. And a great moment, great moment for the NBA. New all-time scoring king who wants to play a couple more years. So, you know, will most likely, if he stays healthy, uh, take it up over 40,000 points by the time he's all said and done. And, uh, you know, I was, listen, I'm, I'm happy the Lakers lost. As a Celtics fan, of course, you, you can't like the Lakers. And so I don't like the Lakers. And I'm not a LeBron fan because, of, of course, I'm a Celtics fan. You can't like LeBron uh, in terms of the, com- the competition because you want to beat him. And he's beaten my team too many times as a Laker and as a Cavalier and as a Heat. So I don't like him from that standpoint. But he is the all-time leading scorer, and he, uh, he earned that with a great career. And on and off the court, you know, he's been a, a leader and he's been a spokesman and he's spoken out on social issues and things like that. So he's done a lot of great things. Uh, but there is something that bothers me. And, uh, you know, I got to say it because that's me. When I have something that bothers me, I have to say it. And I know this will be very smallish. It'll be looked at as being very small and petty to probably everybody. But I don't care. It bothered me. And if you were up watching last night, maybe it bothered you. Maybe it didn't. But he gave his speech. They stopped the game. They brought Kareem out. And then everybody backed away, and they gave LeBron the mic, and he gave a nice, he gave a nice talk to everybody in the arena and on national television. And then at the very end, he paused, and he dropped an f bomb on the mic and on national television. Just yeah, dropped it. Made a, zero sense. He, just, he <laughs> just dropped the f bomb. He, he he dropped the f bomb, and I said I, I had to go back and play it again just to be sure I heard it right. And I'm thinking to myself, why? A why would you say it? And B, why did nobody on television come on and apologize or say anything about it? Not a single person. And I watched the end of the game. I watched the post game on TNT. Nobody brought it up, which means to me, of course, to them, it doesn't mean anything. It's too small. I guess to the TV execs, it doesn't mean anything. It's too small. But to me, as a sports fan and as a viewer, and as a lover of historical moments, it kind of bummed out the moment. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, that speech, you get two opportunities if you're a great player, if you're a generational great, great player. You get two opportunities. One, when you set an all-time record like that, right? The other, when you go into the Hall of Fame. Mm-hmm. And those speeches are kept forever. You know, they go into the archives. And now... If they play that speech, his talk, all the way to the end, that's going to be on there. Now, it might not bother a single person who watched it or a single person who's listening to me, but it bothered the heck out of me as a sports fan. And I'm thinking to myself, you didn't have to say that. I mean, there are rules that we should live by, and there are rules that we have to live by in broadcasting. We just can't drop the F-bomb on radio or any kind of profanity on radio we're talking about sure? the real well <laughs> i'm talking about the real hard-hitting profanity you know what no, i'm talking about oh, there are yeah. words you just can't say or you will not you won't be on radio any longer or television for that matter i know you can go on to 
you can go to Sirius XM, for example. You can go to the pay sites. You can go to the premium sites and say whatever you want to say. This was not a premium site. This was national television. This was TNT for everybody to see, man, woman, and child. And I don't know. I just Why does the greatest player of his generation have to say something like that at the end of a monumental moment and a fabulous speech at that time, you know? Uh, it just left me shaking world. my head. Just left me shaking my head. Is that the world that we're in? Uh, is that yes. the generation that we're in now? That just I'll say whatever I want to say when I say it, no matter how it fits into uh, what I have been taught and what what the what our society has been about to this point in time. We've gotten to a point where there is no there is such a lack of decorum. I mean, you're right. And I saw somebody wrote a story today. It may have been Los Angeles Times reporter was writing a story about it, and it was almost as if oh, did LeBron somebody write something about it? Did somebody write? Something? No, I'm serious. <laughs> yeah. I, I haven't seen it. Did somebody write something yes. about it? Uh, well, he he mentioned that in there, and it, it, the way it was framed in the story was almost as if LeBron James just ran out of stuff to say. And then so to get off the mic, that was his drop the mic moment. And it's a horrible look. How do you, does he talk to his kids like that? You, you would hope not because, I mean, LeBron James for the NBA is the, the, exactly what you want for the most part. He's the, the spokesperson. He's the face of the league. You don't need him to add that at the end. But the problem is, Phil, we've gotten to a, to a point where words don't mean a whole lot anymore especially bad words that the, the English vocabulary is filled with enough words that he didn't need to add one off his, you know, his little expletive at the end. It was mm-hmm. unnecessary. But the problem is we've gotten to a point and, and I'm embarrassed in our own business. I mean, there are guys who are making multi-million dollars. And the first thing, if you listen to their show for any length of time, you're just waiting because you know, that's what they want to do. They want to curse on the air because they think it's cool. Now it's not cool. There's a whole dictionary full of words you could use to explain exactly what happened last night. It would never had to drop one of the most obscene words that we have in the English language. Yeah. I mean, listen, like I said, sports-wise and competitive-wise and everything else about him, you know, he's the greatest of his generation. Everybody Mm -hmm. now wants to say who's the greatest. Was it Michael? Was it LeBron? Was it Kareem? Was it somebody else? Was it Magic? Was it Larry? Was it blah, blah, blah? I mean – it's an opinion. It's subjective. Uh, you can decide who you think is the best, and you can live with that. Um, but, I mean, there's also something to be said about the way you carry yourself, and that's the amazing thing because LeBron has done everything else has done. I'm not going to say everything else. This isn't going to be something that's going to be used as a blight against his career, but he's handled himself career-wise on and off the court in a very professional manner. He's a marketer. I mean, he understands the value of having a great image and appealing to everybody. And I just think, I mean, it, uh, nothing's going to happen to him, and he's not going to lose endorsements, and he's not going to lose his movie contracts and all that over something like that. I, I was just stunned and, and shocked. At that moment in time, the greatest moment of your career individually, short of winning championships, which I think is the greatest thing because, you know, that's a team thing, and that's what everybody strives for. But the single most important individual moment of your life right there, and you cap it off with that. I just, you know, I just thought that was way, way, way out of bounds. Uh, here's a story just coming out from the state newspaper. Don Staley is getting a statue in downtown Columbia. According to the state, Columbia Mayor Daniel Rickenman said the city plans to erect a statue at the corner of Maine and Gervais across from the Statehouse, quote, 
so that everyone who comes through Columbia can see that, and it can be a reminder to everyone that opportunity is what you make of it, and nobody can stand in your way. You know what this reminds me of? She's from Philly, and you look down, I don't know the name of the street in Philly, but you look down, I think, it's, is it Broad Street? No, nah. whatever street it is that runs into the museum where the Rocky statue is. This is what that reminds me of. It reminds me of the situation in Philly where you've got the Rocky statue that sits right there uh, on the steps of this museum, right? And you can see it as you're coming down this street. That's going to be really cool. The statue is being created in partnership with international arts funding group Statues for Equality, a group that aims to balance gender and racial representation in public statues around the world. So... There you go. We've wondered about that. We've wondered about uh, who would get the next statue. I guess she's going to get the next statue, though this one isn't done by the university, apparently. This is being done by the city. Rickenman said the city was approached by Statues for Equality and put in a bid for funding for a statue of Staley. The art group will provide half the funding for the statue. The rest will be paid for privately, will be paid for privately by a group of local business people. The project expected to cost a total of $140,000, according to the mayor's office. About a 12-month 12 12-month 12 deadline uh, or timeline to complete the statue once the design is finalized. Says she is the second women's basketball figure at South Carolina to uh, get a statue. Who's the other? Aja Wilson. Oh, I, th- I thought the way they framed it, it was actually Columbia had done. I, I get that uh, for USC. I thought I, I didn't read the story. I can't get into the story, but I, I was curious as to uh, if that meant Columbia had done one previously. But no, that, that was no. the USC one, right? Yeah, okay. yeah. Adrian Wilson. And and as a side note here, Sarah Ellis doesn't have this in her story, but I've got a source that says Gino Ariyama will be here to pull <laughs> the blanket off the statue. And kick it in the shin. He plans to kick the <laughs> statue in the shin when he pulls the blanket off of it when they have the unveiling ceremony, uh, whenever that is. My goodness. Okay. Um, Pat, how are you? It's good to see you tonight. I hope you're having fun. Oh, man. Always having a good time. Happy to be here. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and totally agree with what y'all were saying. That, that, that caught me off guard with what LeBron was saying. Um, was just chatting off air with Chris. The FCC just they do have different rules after 10 p.m., but I don't think the F word is ever acceptable. No, there, there's other four letter words that do become more acceptable after 10 p.m., which is after when he said this, but not what he said. Yeah. And again, with you, I, I kept waiting for the apology or kept waiting for some kind of rec- acknowledgement at least of what was said. And look, I get it. It was a huge moment. Uh, the man has been in front of cameras and microphones though for what? 20 plus years at this point I would imagine at this point he knows what to say and what what not to say it did kind of detract from it now here we are we're talking about how and celebrating what an amazing accomplishment that was from LeBron but we've spent a lot more time talking about what he said on air than than what he actually accomplished yeah my, I, I, did well, TNT not say anything about not it a word. how do they allow not that to get out word. on their air and not apologize I have Good no grief. idea not a word you know, the NBA needs to go back to their 10 se- TV needs to go back to their 10 mm. second delay because, you know, they used to pick up events. Well, yeah. those, those 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 microphones were so sensitive. They were picking up all the profanity coming off the bench mm-hmm. and off the floor. And so remember, you'd be watching an NBA game and all of a sudden the sound would just go silent. Well, that was them hitting the dump button. 
because they didn't want you to hear the GD and the, the F and everything else that was uh, being shouted out there in a typical NBA game. So, of course, from what I understand, sitting behind the bench at South Carolina when Frank Martin was coaching was not much different <laughs> from what I oh, gather. Speaking, <laughs> speaking of that, I, I thought you brought up an interesting point about Lamont Paris, and I've been waiting for him to get somewhat more animated. He's mm-hmm. such a laid-back person, laid-back coach, but I think he was able to get something extra out of his team last night. Maybe it's okay if he gets up and yells every now and then. I, th- I thought he did a great like job Frank last Martin. night. I really yeah, I, did. I did too. I, th- I thought they did a terrific job, and I agree with you. I, you know, I, I didn't think he needed to do anything with Gigi Jackson, but he obviously felt he needed to, and it, uh, Gigi got the message. It clearly got the message. I'm not so sure I don't bring him off the bench for the year. Yeah. He really gave him a burst when he got into the ball game, but um, then he played a good bit. I mean, it's not like he didn't get his minutes. Defense is their biggest – well, consistent oh, yeah. shooting, but defense. They don't have great defensive principles right now, and maybe they're just not able to guard real well. Okay, we'll hit the break. Uh, we'll take some phone calls coming up. we got recruiting, uh, Lee Sterling, Dave Foreman. Oh, it's an SC Wild Night tonight as well. The Major will be here. All right, going to get to your phone calls here on Sports Talk. Phone number 888-898-2525. That is the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number. Since 2002, more than $174 million in lottery proceeds has been used to purchase, maintain, and fuel over 2,000 school buses in South Carolina. Learn more about the lottery's impact at sceducationlottery.com slash educationwins. Playing for fun is a win for education. All right, a lot of folks standing by. Going to get to as many calls as we can. And let's go to Nick and Gaston. Up first tonight here on Sports Talk. Nick, welcome in. Good to have you with us. Hey, Phil. Hey. Yeah, just uh, I'll give you a, a preliminary congratulations on your statue. I think you're the next one that should get one. Been, well, if the. Been in Columbia for a while. If the pigeons need a a place to rest and I volunteer they can sit on me I mean, uh, <laughs> so we got Don Staley with two championships and who else or Asia Wilson and you know Aaliyah but Boston's gonna Aaliyah Boston's gonna have to have one if you follow if you Aaliyah follow Boston, custom yeah. here George Rogers got one for the Heisman I'm mm-hmm. just saying I think uh, people are it's a little overreaction in my opinion that's all Rogers, you know, for a Heisman, that was a long time ago, but still it was a Heisman, not a national championship. But, uh, George also has a boulevard named after him. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah I'm waiting for him to rename Assembly Street Gangcock Way, you know. I mean, just, you know, with uh, they're buying up everything in Columbia. It just, uh, it's really not a bad idea. Like, they should do that. I mean, they need to make it as yeah. Gamecock friendly as Gamecock possible. Way. Yeah, mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. Great idea. Yeah, I mean, I guess since we got all these statues and, uh, you know, everybody made such a big deal about the flag coming down, we could have championship games, and now we can't seem to, to host any kind of sports events in Columbia. But 
it just seems like people are acting like, you know, USC is more like Harvard or Yale or something. It's, it's, it's not a hard to understand why people don't take it serious around here. So that's my thoughts. Appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Gonna have a hard time changing the name of Assembly Street over to Gamecock Way unless you run through the legislature and say, "Hey, by the way, we're going to change the the name of Assembly, which was named after the General Assembly." You're gonna have a little bit more <laughs> difficult time, I would think, than George Rogers. Was Boulevard. it named? Was it named after the General Assembly, or does that go named back four. to hmm? named for? Well, or or was it named after? I don't know. May, I mean, you know, is that a fact? Are you stating yeah, a fact? I'm looking at a story. I I was curious about that, and I pulled up a story on Cola today. I don't know how old this is, but yeah, that's where Assembly Street got its name. Hmm. Okay, I thought maybe it was an area where troops assembled back during the Civil War that, or something. You and know, it was that, not a bad not assembly. a bad thought. And Blossom Street, by the way, just some useless trivia named after the uh, blossom of the cotton plant. Hmm. Tell us who Hugh G Street was named for. <laughs> Or no, Hugger, I mean, as most people say, <laughs> Hugger Street. Yes. Yeah. Hugger Street. Or, um, boy, out-of-towners try to take on Gervais Street, all right? Good luck with that. <laughs> all right, thank you, Nick. We appreciate uh, the wait phone a minute, call. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Gervais oh. Street, by the way, named after John Lewis Gervais, fought in the Revolutionary War, was a member of the Continental Congress and a South Carolina state senator. Don't have anything on Hugie Street, though, according to uh, Cola today. Let's go to Hank in Columbia. He probably knows. <laughs> Hank? Welcome into Sports Talk. How you doing, sir? I'm doing corn. And a reminder that, as you stated, that statue is being built more for Don Staley's um, exploits as a a woman and a black woman in terms of it, it's not USC generated. That's a a thing to to get up more statues like that because we have enough statues of everything else around here. Well, now should USC uh, also? build her a statue over by the arena so it falls in there with the other statues i think think if that's up there she's fine i don't think she's been asking for a statue the 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 road going down there is already named for her so i think she's fine Uh, and and when you were talking about philadelphia i thought you were talking about you go downtown philadelphia you see that big old huge mural of her that philly has up oh yeah yeah (laughs) hadn't thought about that do you think she will coach her entire career at south carolina do you see any way any reason why she might leave no, nah, I think this is going to be where she is. I think all of her family's here. I don't think she really enjoys anything about the – I know she doesn't enjoy didn't want to coach the pro game. I think she wants to grow young women, like she says, a dream merchant. So I think she'll be here. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wanted to talk about – you were mentioning about the, the guys game last night, and I thought they gave – you know, for really the last four or five games, they've given great effort. And, um, you know, Missouri, just it was just a tough team, but – you know, they couldn't suffer that, that last little spurt at the, those last two or three minutes, that last little spurt mm. is what got them because at one point it was 61-60, to 60, and I want to say it was either close to three minutes left in the game or just barely over three minutes left in the game when it was 61-60. to 60. Um, Well, that Missouri that, defense I, is tough, too. I, you can understand yeah. why they went cold because Missouri did not give them many good looks. No, and I, and I think the thing with – I think Jackson is trying to be – um, more involved in, in trying to rebound. But I think, the, you know, the issue with that is a lot of times on most teams you don't see – most of the time younger players don't – Jackson about rail thin. The, 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 you had Gray, Johnson, and I think Carter who led the team with rebounds. And I think Gray only had like six. Johnson had five, and I think Carter had four. Uh, but Gray and Johnson and, and Carter to a certain extent, those guys are pretty cut up. As good as J- Jackson is, when you look out there – other than when he shows you that that 
that talent, athletic talent. He's not he's not big at all, and he's go, he's going in sometimes trying to drive the ball. And you see guys like the guy Kobe guy take like one hand and it looks like he throws him about mm-hmm. three or four feet. So I just think because he's because he's not his body's not physically mature, he can try, but I, I just can't see where he's going to give us much in the way of rebound. <laughs> well, I mean, I disagree with that because he is so athletic. Yeah, he's not big and strong and bulky. That doesn't mean you can't. Because he's six nine, he should be able, and he jumps so well, he should be able. And if he knows the fundamentals of positioning and boxing out, he should be able to position himself extremely well. Put those long arms up, jump, and get the basketball. That ain't hard. That's really yeah, not but, hard. But Hayden Corn, Brown went in there and got Corn. six rebounds last night. Yeah, he's chiseled like hey, a Brown, he's like a I, I, he's chiseled like <laughs> a linebacker, but he's only six five. So you know yeah, he still I has to go do the fundamentals, which means blocking out. Spreading your your wings, getting down low, and rooting people out inside to get your position to go get the ball, and then effort to go get the basketball. Well, I I just don't think I'm, I would say I just don't think okay. A lot of times when he's playing, he's they have him playing out on the perimeter, which means you have to have some. He I just don't think he's got the girth yet. And most of the guys who are rebounding well that you're mentioning are guys who've been in college ball and weightlifting for two or three years. You're not seeing a lot. Of, even when you look at Alabama with the guy that's going to go top ten, he's not one of Alabama's better rebounders, Brandon Miller. Mm-hmm. He's just doing it on the offensive side of the ball. <laughs> that's true. I'll give you that. You guys do realize, though, that Gigi Jackson is Carolina's leading rebounder. <laughs> yes, he has been. He mm-hmm. is. But he yeah. hasn't. I don't think he's – what has he done the last few games? Last couple of games, yeah, I'd, I'd have to go back and check. But yeah. per average and also just total rebounds, he's mm. their best rebounder. Yeah, Hank, anything else? No, I just, I just, you know, I was just saying, you know, I think there's a lot on him. I thought he, you know, I, I was good that Paris benched him. I think he came in with the right attitude. I mean, he led all scores, Missouri and us. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I just heard the rebounding thing, and I would like him to rebound, get more rebounds, also. But I, you know, I'm just careful about throwing everything because he's still an undeveloped kid. He's, he should be, he should be a senior in high school. And I, I just rebounding is more about men. I, that guy from Missouri side that got his eye almost closed. That guy was a full grown man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they had some studs. All right, thank you very much. Appreciate it. Good hearing from you. Uh, go ahead and uh, get ready for the uh, women's game tomorrow and. Of course, the big one on Sunday, the big showdown with LSU in Columbia Sunday. I know Hank's excited about that, Chris. Mississippi State, Gigi did not get a rebound, period. Mm-hmm. And that, that can't happen. You're right. But he did have seven in the loss to Arkansas, which is right on his season average. Keep in mind, Gigi, Gigi, also, Gigi also is being asked to help lead the break. Uh, so a lot of times, rather than diving in and going after the rebounds on defense, he's already on the perimeter making his way down the court. He and Michi Johnson tend to kind of uh, kind of hit their lanes and go ahead and back on the court on offense. So he's not really being asked to get all the rebounds, at least from what we're able to see on the court watching the game. Thanks for the call, 888 We stay on the phones here, and we go to Andy in Columbia. Up next here on Sports Talk, Andy, welcome in. How are you? Hey, fellas, you know, I sent Gino a tray of Limburger to go along, you know, some stinky cheese to go with the stinky wine. I'll tell you what, that guy's classless for what he said. I'm just wondering if he he had, what, three girls on Asia, on, on excuse me, on Aaliyah Boston the other night? 
wonder how bruised she got. Well, I saw where Dawn said last night she'd be happy to unclothe her players, as she put it. (laughs) She said, I'll unclothe them, and you can see the bruises on them. I thought to myself, "Mm, we'll pass on that. But she was trying to make the point that, you know, her players are getting nicked up and bumped up as well. So, hey, it's physical inside there uh, in the lane there with those ladies. Yeah, Gina needs to pull up his depends and be a big boy Mm. and uh, quit, quit being a little crybaby out there um regarding last night i believe the sec announcer said um when the game started and um Gigi wasn't playing that coach paris said that he would um address the situation at the press conference after the game correct and that, obviously he never did well he was asked about why Gigi. uh let's see no the question was posed how did you think Gigi played coming off the bench not why did he not start um, and yeah. So go ahead. So really wasn't put up there. Um, regarding the rebounding, I think in the not last night, but in the prior few games, we've seen Josh Gray kind of emerge as more of a rebounding um, center that we'd like in there. Mm-hmm. So he's taken some of that off of um, Gigi's back. But I don't know if y'all noticed after Michi picked up that um, that um, flagrant one. His game went downhill from there. After when he scratched what what's the kid's name, um, the um, big kid um, for um, was it? Uh, uh, he Kobe scratched. Uh, was it Kobe Brown? And yeah, it was Kobe Brown. Yeah, yeah, Brown. He yeah. scratched him below the eye or something and mm-hmm. got a flagrant one. And after that, he his game seemed to go downhill. I don't know if he was bothered by every time he touched the ball that the fans were bullying him mm-hmm. tremendously. Yeah. But his shot was off. He was even off on the free throw line. His game just wasn't there. And can you explain to me why they came out and said that the reason he got a flagrant one was because um, he got um, he hit the kid in the eye? And then when they looked at a flagrant one on um, Gigi, did someone hit him, hit him in the face? They said, no, it was just incidental contact. Yeah, I thought it was an accident. I didn't think he was. In, that, in fact, he went over there and, and looked at uh, at Brown and, ta- and tapped him on the back. I, I did not think it was um, at all something that he did intentionally. So, yeah, you talk about his game. So, let's see, when did that foul occur? That foul occurred in the, was it the second, second half? half? Okay, about the 14-minute yeah, mark of the second half, I think. And so um, the rest of the way, just looking at his numbers the rest of the way, he um, from that moment, the 14-minute mark, um, he only took one free throw and he missed two three-pointers. He only, he only took two shots from the floor. So maybe he did kind of zone out after that happened. Now, how many um, total turnovers did they have in the game? The Gamecocks as a team? Yeah. I think it was 14. Yeah. Let me double check here. That's correct, Phil. It's 14. That's a 14. So, so 14. they had mm-hmm. a good second and half with turnovers, considering they had 10 in the first half. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we had four in the second. Mm-hmm. But those four were kind of in a bad timing. But the team looked better last night, I thought, as a team. I thought it was something to build on last night. I really did. I, I, think, I think that the last couple of ball games have been. If you're not yeah. caught up in wins and losses, obviously you want to win, okay? But what's a, what's a win at this stage going to do for you? It's about effort. It's about instilling your culture. And I thought he sent a message to everybody inside, outside the program when he didn't start G.G. Jackson. A lot of people thought he wasn't going to do anything. Just let it go. 
you know, maybe he chewed him out in the locker room, but, you know, need him to play. No, that to me tells me he put his culture and he put his team above an individual there and made sure that the young man got the message. I don't think you'll see G.G. Jackson the rest of his time in Columbia, and it might just be a few more games, um, do anything like that again, complain publicly about anything that's going on inside the program. And I think it helps your team as a whole that shows that there's no one above anybody else and that everybody needs to be judged in the same way. Yeah. One last thing, Mr. Corn, I'm still waiting for Landon Powell to be interviewed. Their season's underway, and uh, we will get to them. They won yesterday, I think, their opener, so we'll be getting to him. Thank you very much for the idea. Well, I'd appreciate it if you followed through on it. Thank you all, and you all have a good evening. Thank you. Been a little <laughs> busy around here. Been a little busy, but we will get to that. All right, we got to go to the break, uh, and when we come back, He's back with his Sterling picks for the Super Duper Bowl. Lee Sterling. What's he going to say? I don't know if he'll pick the actual game. You might have to go to ParamountSports.com to get that. But he likes to talk about some of the um, other things. Yeah, some of the other things you can uh, waste your money on or maybe win some money on if you are of the type to uh, participate in that kind of stuff. We got that coming up after the break. Recruiting in the next hour as well. And, of course, it's an SC Wild Night, too. We'll be back. Score a touchdown with Founders Federal Credit Union. With services like Founders Online and the Founders app, you'll enjoy all the perks of a big bank with local personalized service. Not a member? Joining Founders Federal Credit Union is easy. Visit RelaxJoinFounders.com or one of our 37 convenient locations to see if you qualify for membership. Relax with Founders. Terms and conditions apply. Founders Federal Credit Union is federally insured by NCUA. Hey, this is Major Billy Downer with DNR, and coming up tonight at 7.30, another edition of SC Wild on the Sports Talk Radio Network. Have you turned on the fun? Try Cash Pop from the South Carolina Education Lottery. Pick one number from 1 to 15, win up to $2,500, or play all 15 numbers, and you're guaranteed to win. Play twice a day to double your fun. It really is that easy. Visit sceducationlottery.com to get the details. Cash Pop, it's the light of the party. Major Billy Downer here from the Department of Natural Resources, and DNR is excited to announce the implementation of Go Outdoors SC, a new online licensing and boat titling system that you can access right from your phone. Through this new system, customers can purchase their hunting and fishing licenses, renew their boats, apply for lottery hunt opportunities, and complete electronic harvest reporting requirements. For more information, visit Go Outdoors SC at your local app store. Hi, I'm Jim Corbett. I've been an attorney for more than 30 years. There's one thing I've learned about injury cases. It's you need the personal touch. You need the lawyer to get to know you and describe your damages. You don't want a case manager talking to an insurance company and then talking to you and then talking to maybe to a lawyer with limited experience at the last minute to try to settle a case. I talk to you. I find out what your case is about. Jim at JimCorbettAttorney.com. Jim at JimCorbettAttorney.com for your injury cases.
right, Lee Sterling coming up in just a moment here on Sports Talk. While we get him on the line and ready to go, I'll mention a couple of things. We've got the announcement today of the SEC basketball legends to be honored at the SEC tournament and representing uh, South Carolina uh, this time around will be Trey Kelly, former standout guard for the Gamecocks, and he gets the nod amongst uh, the others who are uh, going to be honored there in um, Nashville, the SEC tournament. We have the Sun Belt coaches preseason poll for baseball. Coastal Carolina picked to come in fifth. Southern Miss gets the nod as the favorite. College of Charleston, the favorite by the coaches to win the CAA. And the player of the year is William Privett from uh, the College of Charleston. Had Coach Holbrook on with us last night. All right, it is now time once again. Boy, we've missed him the last uh, several weeks since the end of the football season. I know my bank account is not the same when he's not around. Usually goes up because I'm not uh, spending my money. Lee Sterling, ParamountSports.com with some Sterling picks on the Super Bowl. Good evening, sir. Welcome in. How are you? I'm great. Can't, couldn't be better. Um, ready to go. This uh, <laughs> As good as the season's been, uh, still the Super Bowl kind of makes or breaks your year. No question about it. First of all, before you share some stuff with us, uh, what can people get at ParamountSports.com? Well, you can get uh, my Super Bowl selection, top 10 prop plays, $97. Uh, basketball's been rolling rest of the season through the NBA Finals, and that includes college basketball in the March Madness Tournament, $500, ParamountSports.com, or even the UFC this Saturday night at pay-per-view, seven selections, $47. How do you handicap UFC? Uh, watch a lot of fights. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, you just, you just like, look at the guy and say, all right, this guy's going to beat the dog out of this guy, and that's how you kind of um, do it? You, you know, it's a, it's a lot of times it's a, it's a matter of style. Um, and you hear things as far as training camps. A lot of these guys move around to different trainers. So um, it's taken a while, but I think we've perfected it. I have no doubt. What do you have for us on the Super Bowl? What can you share? Okay, so let, let's start off with some fun prop plays. A uh, couple that I like are the cross bets. You can go, for instance, with a basketball player in a game on Sunday versus uh, one of the teams. For instance, uh, Fred Van Vliet, uh, shooting guard for the Toronto Raptors. Points plus assists versus Kansas City Chiefs total points. Huh. I like Van Vliet. He averages total of those two, 20, about 27 a game. Uh, and the kicker is Detroit plays no defense, the Pistons. So we'll take Fred Van Vliet in that matchup. Also, A.J. Brown, plus 71.5 rushing yard, uh, receiving yards in the game. Uh, I think he's Terrell Owens 2.0. Uh, Kansas City has the 23rd-rated pass defense in the league, and uh, Kansas City's defense has given up an average of 71.5 yards uh, to the best receiver on the team uh, that they face 12 of 19 games. And we'll end up... With a fun prop, uh, my daughter, as you know, she sings the national anthem. She's correctly predicted it eight straight years. She's going for nine in a row. Uh, she thinks that uh, uh, the national anthem's going under here. So what she feels here is uh, the phrasing of the singer here, country western singer. Uh, he's just uh, gotten a little shorter over the years, air quality even there. And uh, it's at two minutes and six seconds now. Even Adina Menzel uh, was at two minutes and four seconds will go under 
uh, the two minutes and six seconds on the national anthem. Wow. Is that the most popular yeah. prop bet, the national anthem? Um, actually, it's, it's, it's either that or the coin toss, and then the third is um, who will score the first touchdown. So uh, those are some fun ones, some regular prop plays I like. Uh, I think Kenneth Gainwell, a little underrated, running back from Memphis. Uh, he, they have him at 19.5 rushing yards. I mean, I project him at 36 or 37. Uh, will Travis Kelsey score a touchdown? I think he will. Uh, I'll say yes, minus 115. And maybe an underrated player, Juju Smith-Schuster, over 40 uh, receiving yards. Um, he was hurt most of the game, the championship game. I, I think he'll be used early and often uh, in the Super Bowl. Wow. What about the game itself? I mean, I know you're – you're sharing that for yep. subscribers, but yep. what's your what do you think's going to happen just in general? Uh, well, Andy Reid's incredible. I mean, twenty eight and four coming off a bye, and Patrick Mahomes, the best quarterback we've seen in a long, long time, outside of Tom Brady. But uh, just just think that this Philadelphia team has no weaknesses. Three Pro Bowling uh, offensive linemen. Their defense is stout and has gotten better as the year has gone on here and. Uh, also think that uh, Patrick Mahomes has not been great in the Super Bowl. Two Super Bowls, just two touchdowns and four interceptions. So I, I think Philadelphia, with no weakness here, I think they're going to be able to run the ball here, maybe get a couple takeaways here. I think they win and cover 31-24. I'm with you. Lee, thank you, my friend. Have a great Super Bowl weekend. We'll talk to you again soon. Sounds good. Let's get together uh, the Tuesday or Wednesday before uh, March Madness. Oh, okay, great. Well, great idea. Thank you. Thank you, buddy. Thank you. Lee Sterling, ParamountSports.com. State players invited to the NFL Combine from USC. Jalen Brooks, Jovan Gwynn, Cam Smith, Darius Rush, Zach Pickens from Clemson, Joseph Ngata, Davis Allen, uh, Jordan McFadden, uh, Brian Bressy, and uh, DJ Henry, Miles Murphy, Trenton Simpson, and B.T. Potter. We'll be back. Welcome back to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number, 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. All right, welcome back, everybody. Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network here on this Wednesday night, right? It's not Thursday. It's Wednesday night. Been a busy show so far. We've got a recruiting report coming up for you. Just a couple of minutes. I wanted to mention, too, I was talking about the players from the state who are headed to the NFL Combine could not get to the very end of the list, and there are a couple of players from Coastal Carolina on the list as well. Gerard Clark, defensive lineman, and Lance Boykin, defensive back. So they also will have their shot at the uh, combine. I'm a little surprised that Ryan Miller from Furman didn't get an invite, Chris, yeah, me because too. I thought he was one of the best tight ends around. He was. He's one of the best tight ends in college football. I was, I'm was. i surprised with that. Gerard Clark's going to make some money. A big defensive interior lineman, hard to move. I think he's he's got the frame that NFL teams are going to uh, want to bring on board. So I think there's a pretty good invite for him. Okay. Uh, recruiting is coming up. We just heard from Lee Sterling, of course, talking about some of the prop bets. And he actually gave us his pick for the game on Sunday. He likes Mike. Did he mean to? I, I suckered him into it. All right. <laughs> I suckered him into it. Um, 
but he likes my line of thinking, and that is the Eagles and lay the points. And, of course, this week and Sunday, like the biggest day of the year, every year when it comes to betting in the United States of America, where 36 states have legalized gambling and South Carolina has not yet. Maybe one day. We welcome in from the American Gaming Association, the vice president, Dave Foreman, joining us here on Sports Talk here in South Carolina. Dave, it is great to have you with us. How are you, sir? Hey, guys. I'm doing well. Uh, thanks for having me. It's great to be with you. Yeah, it's great to have you with us, especially this week. How crazy is it for you, the AGA, with this week in particular, busiest, craziest week of the year for you? Uh, it's definitely, for our members, one of the biggest uh, weeks of the year. I mean, people are going to wager uh, a record amount of money on the Super Bowl uh, this year. Uh, so it, it's really exciting uh, for us as an industry, especially kind of a new industry uh, in, a lot, in almost all the states we're operating in. So uh, it's a big big weekend for sure, right? About about 1% of all the, all the money bet on sports uh, is going to be bet uh, over the course of the year is going to be bet uh, this weekend. How have things changed as more and more states have legalized gambling? So how have things changed in your industry? How have things changed for your organization? Well, I mean, the industry, it's a whole, there's a whole new uh, vertical in the industry uh, that we didn't have really five years ago, right? Uh, five years ago, you could only, only bet on this game in, in Nevada. And, and like you said, now it's legal in uh, 36 states. Um, so, you know, it's a, it's a, a multi-billion dollar industry that just frankly didn't exist uh, a few years ago, at least not legally, right? Uh, people have been betting for a long time. People, mm-hmm. I'm sure, in South Carolina are betting a lot on college football. Uh, they just don't have the opportunity to do it uh, legally. Mm-hmm. So, so that's really the big change is, is more from a consumer perspective. Yeah. And, of course, these states, I guess, who've legalized it, they see uh, a revenue stream for them, I guess, the taxes and everything else, I guess, that they are collecting. And who knows if South Carolina will get to that one day. We had uh, University of South Carolina yesterday announce this initiative to develop a bunch of property, and I suggested they throw a casino over there by their football stadium. They're looking at ways to generate year-round traffic over there. And I said, you know what, a casino would work great. If the if the legislature would uh, step up and get it done, you'd be in, in favor of that, wouldn't you? Yeah, I, casinos are a great uh, a great entertainment option. Uh, you know, people love going out, whether it's to gamble, whether it's to enjoy the restaurants or the shows, or a lot of the other amenities uh, that they have to offer. Uh, so, you know, casinos are a, a great addition, really, to any local uh, entertainment uh, scene. What what does your organization do, the American Gaming Association? I mean, what do you see your role in this whole thing? Well, I think our role really, is, our members are casino operators and sportsbook operators. Um, so our role really is to just advocate on their behalf, right, and really on behalf of the legal sports betting market in this country. Uh, you know, there's a there was, there still is really a thriving illegal uh, illegal market, whether it's your kind of corner bookie, uh, that people kind of think of from a lot of movies or, or more accurately today, these offshore sites that are, uh, you know, based in places like Curacao or, or the Island, Island Man and, and the English Channel that uh, are taking bets from a lot of people. But, uh, you know, people who bet with them, frankly, you know, there's no guarantee you'll be paid out. And if you're not, uh, you, have no, you have no recourse. There's no regulator uh, to turn to. Uh, they also don't offer people any uh, responsible gaming 
resources, which are, are, are helpful and, and is a big commitment of the industry. So uh, I really think that our, our role is to just advocate for the industry, to educate consumers about the, the legal options that they have, uh, and to try to, to drive down uh, the activity that's going to these illegal bookmakers. Speaking with uh, David Foreman of the American Gaming Association, the vice president, now, over the last few years, we've seen, of course, a lot of things crop up to make it easier to place a bet. Things like, you know, FanDuel, for example, and um, apps where you can just pick up your phone and you can vote. Uh, vote. You can bet uh, on something. You can live bet, you know, as games are being played, and you can bet on a fourth quarter or third quarter, whatever the case may be. There's something you can wager on. How big has that been? How important has that been? to the overall development of this industry across the country? Uh, it's, it's, a really, it's really big. And I think the Super Bowl is a kind of a great microcosm of that. I mean, you were talking about prop bets uh, a second ago, and, and, and that's sort of a series of bets that are uh, unique to the Super Bowl. But uh, similar things are available for, for almost every game, right? If, if you're watching a, a South Carolina football game and it's a, you know, maybe they're, they're beating Clemson by 20, you might – turn it off but if the line is 14 and you've got 10 bucks on the game uh you know you're probably going to watch that through the end of the fourth quarter so Mm -hmm. uh it's changed things uh for the gaming industry but it's also really changed things and and done a boon for media companies and and for the leagues and sports teams who who are benefiting benefiting from uh you know a lot more eyeballs on the game and a lot more engagement uh from fans so to bet on the super bowl uh, and to bet responsibly, uh, you know, what kind of things do you, uh, how, how do you advise people who want to participate in that, in doing so? How do you, what do you advise them to do? Well, I mean, it, it's, it's really incumbent on everybody in the, in kind of the sports betting ecosystem, whether it's the, the leagues or the teams or the media or the, the operators taking the bets, uh, just to make sure that everybody's promoting responsibility and educating consumers. Uh, about how to do this legally. So uh, at the AGA, we've launched a have a game plan, responsible gaming uh, campaign to make sure that people uh, just keep in mind that sports betting is a form of entertainment, right? They should keep it social, right? They should make sure they know the odds. Uh, they should know the resources that are out there available for them. Um, so we're committed to that at the AGA, and I know our members are, are committed to it through responsible gaming codes and responsible marketing codes uh, and funding uh organizations that provide treatment to people that do have a problem gambling. So this is in particular with smaller schools, but affecting major universities as well. Nationwide attendance at sporting events is at its lowest point in 22 years, or it has been over the last three seasons. Uh, That's the second biggest source of revenue for university athletic departments. And in the last, what, five, seven years or so, we've seen an influx of, of booze becoming the big, the big attraction now. College football stadiums across the country adding alcohol sales, specifically even the University of South Carolina and their partnership with Aramark. Uh, essentially, Aramark handles all the details. The university is able to just kind of sit back and collect their share of the revenue. Well, right now we're seeing sports books popping up in a lot of professional stadiums. It almost seems inevitable that, that that's the next step and in, uh, in the coming years in college stadiums and that may be a way to add an extra revenue stream to these universities to pay for new facilities to pay for exorbitant college uh, uh, coaching contracts and such <laughs> is that re- is that a reasonable assumption do you see in, in South Carolina it's still illegal i get that but in states where it is is legal and even states where it's illegal if they start to see those other states bringing in these massive revenue streams 
Is that inevitable? No, I mean, you're right. You know, we do see it, uh, all, sports books popping up at a lot of professional venues, right? I'm in, I'm in D.C. and we have one at Nats Park. There's one at uh, FedEx Field where the, where the Redskins play, or the Commanders, excuse me, uh, play. Uh, but I don't think that that's something you're going to see at, at college uh, stadiums, uh, not in the near future and probably not ever, just because of the, the, the underage component that's, prevalent on college campuses and again like we were just talking about really the commitment to kind of not get too close to the line and not not market this product uh to people who aren't old enough to to use it Mm -hmm. what do you think is going to happen future-wise with the remaining states who do not have legalized gambling uh 36 of the 50 have it right now so there's 14 more to go is there a lot of lobbying going on out there a lot of pressure being put on legislators in these various states to do so or what's happening with that do you know yeah i mean right right there's there's 36 states where it's legal right now i don't know that we'll ever get to all 50 uh being legal uh you know hawaii and utah have have no gambling whatsoever right not even a a lottery Hmm. uh but i think you know outside of maybe those two uh i do think eventually almost every state will will come on board uh, you know, you said there's a, there's a lot of lobbying at the state level, and, and that's certainly true. Uh, there's a couple of, of big markets that are, are yet to legalize and come online, right? In addition to South Carolina, there's Florida, Texas, uh, and, and California. Uh, so those are those are really big focuses for for the industry to to legalize there and to again ensure people who are betting today have have the option to do it in a, in a safer environment. Now, you know, we do have a casino in South Carolina. It's a floating casino. You have to go out into the ocean. It leaves from a place called Little River, which sits on the Atlantic Ocean, but you go out on this little cruise, and it's a casino, and and people do that, and they play it. But we are a state that has the lottery. Do you think states that have the lottery are of a mind that there's enough people knowing that, you know, the lottery is a bit of a gamble, that you might have a leg up in those states of one day getting gambling legalized? I think I, I think it certainly helps. I think in the states that haven't legalized it yet, it's not really because of an aversion to gambling necessarily. Like like you said, uh, you know, South Carolina is a lottery. You've got the uh, the boat that that leaves probably to go to international water waters there. Uh, it's really just legislators and regulators trying to figure out amongst themselves how to legalize it in the best way uh, for that state, and whether that comes down to the the tax rate. Uh, or the kind of bets that you're allowed to offer or, or where you're allowed to bet on sports. That's kind of uh, where people get hung up and what uh, drives some of the delay in legalizing places. The, the notion that gaming is sort of a, 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 a dirty or sin industry is really outdated, right? Uh, we do a lot of polling on it, and, and today you know, 90% of Americans say that, that gambling is a perfectly uh, acceptable form of entertainment, uh, whether for themselves or for, or for others. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, you know, I think the, the notion that that gaming is this, uh, you know, illicit activity is 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 really kind of old fashioned now, especially with the, the spread of casinos to so many states outside of uh, Las Vegas and, and Atlantic City. And you're right there in Phoenix. And uh, how crazy is it getting in Phoenix with the Super Bowl there now, the game on Sunday? And you got the wild and wonderful, beautiful Phoenix Open uh, beginning tomorrow. I mean, uh, your area is just going to be jam-packed with, uh, I've read a story about all the private jets flying into Sky Harbor or, I guess, uh, surrounding airports to accommodate everybody that's coming in. 
Yeah, un- unfortunately, I'm not in Phoenix. Uh, I've, I've been, I've didn't get a ticket, uh, but I assume <laughs> it's a crazy scene out there between the golf tournament uh, and, and the game. I mean, you know, it's it's legal. It's the first time the Super Bowl is going to be held uh, in a state with legal sports betting, uh, and actually the first sports book uh, at an NFL stadium was at, at State Farm Stadium, uh, where BetMGM has a sports book. So uh, you can bet online from your seat at the game. Or at the tournament, at the golf tournament, uh, and and if you're uh, at the Super Bowl, there's actually a sports book in the stadium there. Wow, that's convenient. That uh, sure is. That is convenient, David. We thank you very much for being with us. Let's talk again at some point in time and see how everything is progressing with this. And enjoy the weekend. We thank you for the time, and uh, we'll uh, reach back out to you guys another time. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. Thank you. All right, David Foreman, VP of the American Gaming association and we appreciate him being with us tonight here on sports talk i i don't know about you chris i'm ready to run out there and uh and call lee sterling's number and see what he's got <laughs> and and use his advice and uh and throw something down i'm glad david's off the line so i can say this i couldn't care any less about sports gambling mm. just have no interest in it whatsoever i mean i really don't and i understand how big a deal it is the nfl's probably not the nfl without it that in fantasy football but I just I couldn't care any less, literally. The the prop bets are fun, and I kind of like to see how those play out. But I wouldn't put fifty cents on the NFL yeah. or college football or anything else. See, I, I, just, I, 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 I I I like to throw down a little ten dollar wager, sure, here and there. I got and, no problem uh, if you enjoy and, doing it. It's yeah. just not my thing. It really, uh, he's right. I mean, it's the one thing that ties you into a ball game that is even a blowout. But if you've got something riding on it, and you've got the points, or you're laying the points, and you know, you're, you're, a team might be losing by 20, but we all know for some people that final margin mm-hmm. is important, and that's what keeps you tied into the ballgame. I would think the TV people and the sports leagues would love that because it, it keeps people watching sure, and listening and, and following their games, even in blowout situations. All right, Fantasy thank you very much. football does exactly the same thing. Oh, yeah. That's, mm-hmm. that's the reason both of those are as popular and has launched the NFL into the stratosphere that it is because if the NFL were just typical football, it wouldn't have anywhere close to the popularity, in my opinion, that it has. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, thank you very much for that. Got to hit the break here on Sports Talk. Come back with some recruiting. Might be able to squeeze in another call or two. Got a few other important notes to share with you. And the bottom of the hour, it will be Major Billy Downer and S.C. Wild here on Sports Talk. He's going to be talking about training dogs, training hunting dogs. David McCracken will be the special guest. That's coming up. Be right back. Life, it has its ups and downs. Sometimes it's little things like hitting every red light or dropping your cell phone. Maybe it's the bills, rent, or pressure at work. But when it comes to the South Carolina Education Lottery, you should never feel like playing will solve everything. The lottery is a game. It's played for fun. So set a dollar amount. Expect not to win and make sure responsibilities, family, friends, and work come first. Visit PlayResponsiblySC.com. George Bryant here with Tsunami Bar Sports, and wow, Tsunami Robbie, there is now an amazing technology that you can use when you train, receiving large gain without having to endure pain. Please explain. George, that is the magic combination. I have three simple words to define that entire concept. Stimulation, not annihilation. Regardless of your training goals, there is a level of stimulation 
that is optimal for your desired gains. Tsunami Bar's flexible bar technology meets these demands because the user determines the level of stimulation with the amount of speed and force they impart into the bar or training device. Hey, this is Phil Kornblut. The Tsunami Bar is a terrific training device whether you're working on your fitness or your golf game. It's convenient, it's easy to use, and you won't feel beat up afterwards. Be sure to click on the digital ad on sportstalksc.com and get 5% off any order using promo code BBB5. Don't wait. Order today. Hi, this is Major Billy Downer with DNR. And coming up tonight at 7.30, another edition of SC Wild on the Sports Talk Radio Network. Ferris? Is that our new intro to the recruiting segment? I could I could not help myself. I know Chris is getting the reference there. It related to our last go uh, our last guest and his name sounding eerily similar to Abe Froman, the Sausage King of Chicago. Get the reference? I don't. Oh, fair. <laughs> I, I don't have a clue about what you're talking about. But Chris, educate this man real quick. I'm sure. Wait, man, mo- first off, did you, did you guys play something from Ferris Bueller? Oh no! You didn't. You couldn't hear the. Me- I, I oh, couldn't hear it. No. Our, our new soundboard. So <laughs> to our listeners out there, I played the the theme from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. The ooh, oh, yeah. That's what that is. Now okay. that I could hear a little bit faintly in the background. I thought you actually had the quote where he uh, checks in at the rest of fancy restaurant and introduces himself as Abe Froman, the Sausage King of Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> that, that would have. I should have should have done that. But I just all I keep thinking. The whole time y'all were interviewing that man, and thank you again for joining us on the program, was Abe Froman, Sausage King of Chicago, and so I had to play a little Ferris Bueller's music. (laughs) Can we play recruiting now? Can we do recruiting now? I thought that was going to be a new entrance to the recruiting segment, which I kind of like that for the recruiting Mm -hmm. segment. Yeah, It can be, sure. It kind of says everything about recruiting. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I like that. All right, recruiting is brought to you by Seawells here on Sports Talk, with or without the intro music. Seawell is the very best in the catering business for about 80 years now. They have been around, and they still know how to get it done. They'll host your event at their place, 1125 Rosewood Drive, or they'll come to you and take care of business. Just give them a call, 803-771-7385. And don't forget the buffet tomorrow, 11 to 2, the daily luncheon buffet every day for only 13 bucks. 11 to 2 at Seawell's. Okay, we checked in on a couple of big timers. Defensive tackle Heaven Brown Schuler, 6'4, 290. And South Carolina Clemson, very much in the mix. He's been to both. They are two of his top 13 in his most recent short list. He took in three Clemson games last season. He was there for their junior day, January 28th, and got a look at the academic side of things. And he really enjoyed the visit, talked to professors, talked a lot to Dabo Sweeney and Nick Eason. And their message was he's one of their top guys on the board and come play and fit in in their scheme. He last was at USC for the Texas A&M game, a big USC victory, and that gave him a more positive outlook on the program Shane Beamer is building. Great program, he said. Really likes Beamer, really likes Jimmy Lindsey. Enjoys talking to them, and he likes how South Carolina's been recruiting. 
You know, he lived in Columbia until the first grade. His grandmother still resides in the Columbia area about 20 minutes from Williams Bryce. So he visits her frequently. In fact, he was here last weekend. His grandmother and mother, his mother attended B.C. High School before moving to Atlanta, and they'll be two of his primary advisors on his recruiting, which he hopes to wrap up by June. He also took January junior days at uh, Michigan and Georgia, also on his short list, Penn State, Colorado, Southern Cal, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Texas A&M, North Carolina, Oregon, and Virginia, plans to take in more visits in the next few weeks before he trims his list again. Education very big with him as well. And on January 28th, for the junior day, Clemson had, among others, in for a visit receiver Alex Taylor, 6'2", 175, out of uh, Greensboro, North Carolina. Said he was there for about uh, 13 hours worth of conversations with various coaches, including Dabo Sweeney and Tyler Grisham, and new offensive coordinator Garrett Riley. So he enjoyed that. He enjoyed the long talk that uh, Dabo Sweeney gave to the uh, visitors, uh, detailing a lot about his background and how he got to where he is as a coach in college football. Clemson was in good shape with him before the visit. He camped there last summer. He was also in for a game in October. He has the Tigers in his final seven with Virginia Tech, NC State, North Carolina, Tennessee, Penn State, and Cincinnati. He wants to take more visits, in particular, to Penn State, Tennessee, and Virginia Tech and make a decision in June or July. Last year, 65 catches, 1,034 yards, and 12 touchdowns. In baseball, 2024 right-hander Cannon Fiesel of Windermere, Florida, committed to Clemson. That is the recruiting report for tonight. Right here on Sports Talk. Oh, yeah. All right, let me mention a couple of quick things here before we uh, get to SC Wild. Uh, Joe Lenardi, his latest bracket, has Clemson, a number 11 seed in Greensboro, playing Providence. He has the College of Charleston out right now. Second four out uh, is where he has them. South Carolina Athletic Hall of Fame announced special honors today. Charlie Dayton, the Bobby Richardson Sportsmanship Award. Rex Maynard. The Doc Blanchard Citizen for Sports Award. Willie T. Tecumseh Smith. I don't know if that's what T stands for. The Herman Helms Excellence in Media Award. Doug Bridges, the Dom Fushi Leadership in Action Award. Special recognition to the North Greenville National Champion Baseball Team. And Hootie and the Blowfish will be honored for their work with Monday after the Masters. Nicely done, everybody. Uh, that will do it for Sports Talk. Stand by for SC Wild on Sports Talk from DNR with Major Billy Downer. Chris, you have yourself a nice evening, sir. Thank you, sir. And I will chat with you guys from the HTC Center in Conway tomorrow night. Big ball game for Coastal against Marshall. Top two or three teams in the league. Look forward to that, and we'll be back in a moment. Now on Sports Talk, it's SC Wild with Major Billy Downer of the Department of Natural Resources. Major Downer is here to take your questions about the great outdoors in South Carolina. Give him a call at 888-898-2525. It's SC Wild from DNR on the Sports Talk Radio Network. All right, we're back. It is time for tonight's edition of 
Essie Wild from DNR here on Sports Talk. And we're going to have Major Billy Downer with us in just a moment as soon as I get the thumbs up from Pat. And he'll have a special guest as well. We're going to talk about dog training tonight. This should be of interest to everybody because i got to believe everybody that listens to Sports Talk and listens to SC Wild or just about everybody owns a dog, owns a pooch, owns a pup, and could use some advice. And I'm talking about, I guess we're talking about hunting dogs too in particular. And when we get the major on and get his guest on with us, we'll find out exactly what he has in mind about that. But who who couldn't stand to learn something about training your dog, whether it's for hunting or for just, uh, you know, being a nice doggy around the house, uh, we could all use some advice uh, along those lines. And in just a moment, we'll have uh, the gentleman with us here on Sports Talk on SC Wild. Uh, in fact, Pat, can we go ahead and bring up the major while you're getting the guest on, and we can chat for a moment. Uh, good evening, Major Downer. It is great to have you with us once again. How are you? Always a pleasure to be with you tonight. Yes, Phil, we are going to talk something that is near and dear to me and to probably all outdoorsmen out there is dogs and dog training and obedience, Mm -hmm. Um, things that everybody can relate to. We are going to focus tonight on retrievers, um, and there's so many variety of breeds and varieties of retrievers out there, so this should be of interest to a lot of people. Of course, you know, my favorite is going to be my dog, the Labrador Retriever. I'm going to have uh, a good friend and uh, one of the uh, a, a trainer himself, a judge in the uh, uh, hunt test world, uh, David McCracken, when he comes on here and kind of get his perspective on some things. But when you start talking about dog training uh, this time of year when it's hunting season's over, a lot of outdoors are looking for things to do outside of the regular duck season, dove season, uh, the birding-type seasons there, pheasants. Um, and I really got into it with my dog this in the last uh, four years uh, when I got my dog as a puppy, kind of got into the hunt test world. And a lot of people have opinions about that, and I don't want a dog to hunt test dog. I want a dog that can hunt. Hmm. Um, but there is a variety of hunt tests out there that can accomplish what you're looking for. Um, most people are familiar with the AKC, the American Kennel Club, um, because most dogs are registered through the AKC. Uh, if you have a Boykin, which is a state dog here in South Carolina, the Boykin, of course, had the Boykin Spaniel Society for many years. They worked very hard and got the Boykin Spaniel also registered through uh, the American Kennel Club now. Uh, but then, so the American Kennel Club has been very widely known. They run the big Westminster uh, so you see all the dogs prancing around uh, in the uh, arena, and they judge. They do best of show, and that's about appearance. That's how a dog's supposed to look, and there's different standards for that. Um, but the AKC also has a hunt test series um, that uh, judges a dog based on a set of abilities. It starts at junior hunter, it goes to senior hunter, and ends up with a master hunter, and then there's other trials for master hunter past that. <clears throat> Um, the Master Hunter Nationals and things, so the Master Nationals. So there's levels that dogs work through. Similarly, I became familiar as I entered this world mm. with the UK, so United Kennel Club, and they do the HRC events, our Hunting Retriever Club events. These events are very akin to hunting. 
We'll talk about that with David a little bit. A little different. Um, folks are required to wear camouflage at these. Guns are shot, not just boom sounds, things that would attract the dog. Guns are shot next to the dog with blanks, uh, simulating a hunt. Uh, <clears throat> birds are used um, and thrown at different distances. And <clears throat> they have, very similar to AKC, they have what starts off with what they call a started dog. <clears throat> then they have a seasoned dog. And then you go to finished. And after the finished level, they have something called the grand. And that's where dogs that have finished at the finished level can participate in a grand championship or a grand competition. And there's points you attain all along the way to get a grand hunting title, which is a really, really advanced dog. <clears throat> but a finished dog is a really advanced dog. We'll, we'll go through some of those levels in a little bit. But, um, when you let me know we've got David on, I want to introduce him. Mm -hmm. We are ready to and go, we'll, sir. Uh, go we'll right go ahead. <clears throat> go ahead, Major. So I want to welcome to our show tonight, David McCracken. David, you on the phone with us? Yeah, Billy. Thank you. Well, David, I was just giving the basic rundown uh, for idiots, I guess, with dog training. <laughs> just talking about this time of year after duck season's over and uh, your dove season's over, pheasants, if you go pheasant hunting. A lot of folks have gotten into, we were talking about dog training in particular, in particular tonight, we're just going to kind of focus real quickly on retrievers and hunting retrievers. And this time of year when there's nothing to hunt, a lot of folks get into hunt tests and talked about what those are basically. I talked about the AKC and, and kind of hit a little bit about HRC. David, you're, you are a judge. I know in HRC, I'm not sure about AKC. What, um, just kind of give a basic, you know, what's the HRC about? What are those events about? Yeah, the HRC is all about hunting. Um, it's more realistic than any of the other hunt test venues that are out there. Uh, it was developed by a guy in Louisiana years ago named Omar Driscoll. And Omar was a big duck hunter, but he was also a field trialer. And the field trials just weren't realistic enough for him. He wanted something that the average hunter could go out and test his dogs and let his dogs compete against a standard. And the thing I like about hunt tests so much is that it allows me to hunt my dog 12 months a year, not just the fall months when we're dove hunting and duck hunting, but I'm training and actually working with the dog the other uh, nine months of the year, and uh, it's a it's a great venue. You were talking earlier before about some people say, "Well, I don't want to have a you know a dog that's trained as a machine. I just want a hunting dog, just a meat dog." Well, people realize that once they train their dog to the level that they need to be trained to to pass the various levels of the hunt test that they'll have so much better dog, and it'll be a much better behaved meat dog in the field for them. Absolutely. As, as somebody that has <clears throat> participated from the first-time experience in the last few years uh, with my lab and learning as I go and making plenty of mistakes along the way, I was explaining the different levels. And, <clears throat> you know, let's start with the started test for a minute. David, give your... 
you just give a breakdown. What does started do? What does that to do for a dog? What does a dog require to do? Oh. And what are we trying to achieve there? Okay, a started level is a, an introductory level for the dog, and they're required to, well, let me back up. Each test has is actually two tests. It's a land test and a water test, and the tests are designed to simulate a duck hunt or sometimes the land test is designed to simulate a dove hunt. But it's at started, it's a very basic level, and the dog is only judged on its marking ability. It's not judged on its obedience. It's not judged on its control, only on its marking ability. So it started, <clears throat> the handler can bring a usually a young dog, uh, a dog that's, eight or nine months maybe, uh, but they will bring the dog to the line, that's where the test begins, on a lead. And that dog can wear a collar, and the handler can actually hold that dog to make sure it doesn't break or it's not out of control. Um, <clears throat> there'll be two single marks thrown on land. Out in the field, the bird boys will blow a duck call. And when they blow, uh, excuse me, the handler will blow a duck call first. And then the bird tech out in the field will blow a duck call and throw the duck. Now, HRC is all about gun safety. And so if you're holding the dog by the collar, you cannot shoot the gun. So they have a bubble gunner standing beside you, and he will shoot the gun, and he will shoot the bird at the top of the arc. Of course, these are dead birds, dead ducks that are being thrown, and they're shooting a, a popper load, which is not as loud as a regular shotgun shell, but it's uh, you know, it's loud enough. It's about as loud as a twenty-two rifle, maybe. Um, they as soon as the, the simulation of a hunt, absolutely, exactly, exactly. And as soon as the bird hits the ground, the handler can release the bird, the dog, and the dog is expected to, to run out and pick up the bird and bring it back to the vicinity of the handler. Once again, all we're testing is the marking ability of that dog. We're not contesting control. Uh, we're not, the dog does not have to bring the dog back to hand, although I see that many, many started dogs do deliver back to hand because the level of training has gotten so high. But the dog will do yeah. that twice on land, and then they'll move to water, and they'll make two water retrieves. Now, on land, the distance is, is up to 75 yards for each mark. On water, the distance is up to 60 yards. And I say up to. It doesn't have to be all the way to 60 yards, depending on the difficulty of the the water and the whether there's a lot of lily pads or stick-ups or something like that. And typically in the started level, there are easy <clears> retrieves <throat> in low cover or in open water that dogs can see very clearly. I say that because um, one thing I want to really talk about, we're going to hit is my own story. <clears throat> First time I ever went to one, I'm out there with my dog. I've trained. I'm sweating. I'm nervous. <clears throat> I'm at the line. And I felt my stomach in my throat. I was worried, just, you know, I've never done this before. You're out there in front of a bunch of people, and you got these judges that are sitting there looking at you, and you feel like, you know, you got no clothes on sitting there. 
and you got the dog. They throw out the bird. My Maggie looks. She marks that bird perfect. I let her go. She goes out there, gets to the bird. She comes back about halfway, stops, drops the duck for a minute, smells around. Hmm. <laughs> I, I feel like I'm naked in front of the, <clears throat> you know, the Carolina Coliseum at this point, and I'm <laughs> Cheer, you know, I'm kind of clapping after come on. Well, she picks the bird back up, comes to me, and gets about probably, I don't know, four feet from me, five feet at the most, and she drops the duck. <laughs> when the judge goes, you can take a step. So I take this step. It looks like I am, you know, way out the stretch, and I grab this bird, <laughs> and she passes her first one. Now, her second one was much easier. She went straight to it, came right back, beautiful. Right, too. Right. Um, but I say that because that's a great point. For somebody wanting to start or even just work with their dog, there's no reason why you can't go to a UK or HRC test. Any dog that hunts should be able to perform um, the started level. Wouldn't you right. agree, David? Yes, I, mean, I, I would. It's not a requirement to come to your hand. No, they don't have to come to hand. And there's also a lot of leeway in what the dog can do. Uh, sometimes the dog will go out there and pick up the bird and drop the bird and pick the bird up and drop it and, and, and eventually bring it back. And generally, that dog will, will pass the test. The started level is it's uh, actually designed to, to hook handlers. We, right. we want to get people interested in the game. Now, we don't give away started passes, certainly, but but we want handlers to have a good time, and we want them to continue to train their dog to get up to the season and finish level and hopefully get to the grand someday. Absolutely. So, David, you've trained a bunch of different types of dogs. I know now your you're first love is a boy king, so I'm not going to pick on them today. Hmm. Um, <laughs> well, actually – Actually, Billy, my my dogs are American Water Spaniels. Oh my! I'm sorry, sir. I started out with Boykins, and everybody in South Carolina mistakes Water Spaniels for Boykins because they were the breed that actually started the Boykin. And yes, sir. Water Spaniels have long tails because they're water dogs, but they look right. very similar to a Boykin. Right. But it's okay because I, no, no, they've got to be, well, it's okay. I've got an affinity for Boykins too. In fact, I'm judging at the Boykin Nationals this year. Well, good. So I will say, you know, as far as a started level and with folks wanting to know what can, what should a dog be able to do? And you say control and for just the layman for a minute, from my perspective, say, look, you know, the whole purpose of this, again, like you said, is to allow someone's outdoorsman to take their dog and work them all year long outside of hunting season. Great point. When the hunting season's over, That's it's right. not over for you and the dog. You can go out there uh, and you get to the finish level. You can go to tests all throughout the year if you want to and keep working your dog to that level. But at the started level, dogs are expected basically to pretty much, you know, you're going to lead. You don't want them jerking you around. You do want them to walk by your side at some point uh, and under control when you get to the line. Sure, your dog should be able to sit, most likely. Now, when they're young, they're going to stand up. They're going to be excited. You can still hold them. Um, but there is some level of control. I found, personally, for me, the biggest jump was probably from started to seasoned rather than from seasoned to finished. 
Um, no because, question. Because you go from this point where you can hold the dog and all that, no, no big deal. You got your simple little one line of trees, and you go now to where you have to go to the line off lead. You go sit there. Your dog sits. It has to watch a double, which means it has to see two birds fly in different directions at different distances, mark them, and get both of them. And then when you're done, the time I thought it was the hardest thing ever was to run a 60-yard blind. And fill a blind is the dog doesn't know where the bird is. You as the handler may have a mark out there. You're going to see an orange flag or something the dog can't see that lets you know the dog where the bird is in cover, some low cover. And it's, it's very simple, basic, straight line. Not really any challenges, a lot of debris in the way, but just getting your dog lined up and giving that, you know, getting them to look in that right direction and say back and get that dog to go and come back was huge for me. And I failed a couple of those because I just could not get it right training. Um, but then you go from that and on the water, similarly, same thing. You've got two marks, a double. And then you've got a blind. And then you go to the finish level. And I first met <laughs> my first finish test I never even expected to go and do. And I did it. And it was with David. And he was my judge. And he actually gave me some pointers <laughs> when I, after I did it. I mean, my dog didn't do She still had trouble marking at that time. We were working through some challenges. But at a finish level, Phil, you've got a dog that has to watch a triple. One, two, three. They've got to see three birds. They got to go to all three of those birds, doesn't matter the order. Then you got to go out there and get a blind, and that blind might be 150 yards. It can be. Uh, it's a long way out there. And you talk about doing that on water with challenges and different things and on hills. And I've done finished tests where it was in waist high grass um, and did real well. Um, the first one I went to was in a field that David was judging, and it was, it was not that bad. Um, she made it to her blind and back, and we fortunately passed our first finished pass. Um, so we did that, um, and from there, like David says, you get hooked. It's like, well, dang, I can do this. We can do this. So we go to work harder, 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 and she got her finished pass several months almost to, uh, later in Georgia and had a really good time. You get to go to some really, really neat places. Um, David, talk about finish for a minute. You've had a lot of experience with that. What's your – why would somebody want to do that? Well, once you get a, to the finish level, <clears throat> excuse me, you've got a a dog that can do it all. I mean, you've got a dog that will just be a pleasure for anyone to have hunting the blind with them. Uh, you will have a dog that will wow the other hunters when they're in the field because your dog will be under so much control and your dog will be able to do things that other people that haven't trained a lot would never think their dog would be able to do. In finish, your dog has to walk to the line, off lead, under control. He can't beat you up to the bucket. We normally call where we start the bucket. It'll be a chair that we sit in. Uh, generally, we have the judges sit. I mean, the handlers sit, but sometimes they can stand. But the dog will have to walk to the line by your side without you continually saying heel, 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 heel. You know, you tell the dog one time, once you start out, heel. The dog walks to the line with you. You get there, 
You tell the dog sit, the dog will sit obediently. And once he sits there, he will be looking out in the field. That's what you want. You want a dog that's going to be looking for the marks. And the three marks will come out, and they can be up to 150 yards. Now, one thing about HRC, we try to stress realism. We want to set up a real scenario. For example, the first bird that comes out is not going to be 150 yards away. Uh, because right. if that were a real duck hunting scenario and a 150-yard bird came out and you shot at it, first of all, you wouldn't hit it. But secondly, the other three bird, two birds would never come in. So right. generally speaking, the first bird is going to be a bird that's going to be anywhere from 25 to 40 yards, a duck that might be coming into the decoys. Uh, once you've shot, the ducks have flared. You're going to kill another bird that's out there or shoot another bird. It'll fall about 60 or 70 yards. And then the last bird may be a bird that was wounded and fell out there 125 yards. Uh, your dog can pick those up <clears throat> in any order. Once he brings those birds back successfully and delivers the hand, and he's also got to, to have a good mouth too. A dog that comes back and with a real hard chomping mouth that tears up a bird will fail the test because that's not a dog that would be a pleasure to hunt with. Now you were talking about the blinds earlier, Billy, and yeah, blinds will incorporate a lot of different factors. You may be going across a ditch or you may be angling into the water or the blind might be down the shore and the dog's got to swim down the shore only say five or six yards off of the bank. And if he gets on the bank, a lot of times it's difficult to get that dog back in the water. And so if he runs down the bank, he's going to wind up failing that blind. Um, One of the things that judges try to do is they try to set up factors in the test that will cause what's known as suction. For example, if if a dog is running a blind and there's a mark that he picked up previously, that's close to that blind that influences that blind that's called suction and so we should we don't try to trick dogs but we try to set up scenarios where the dog has to think a little bit and the dog has to be willing to take your direction and the listeners may not understand what a blind really means that's a bird that a dog did not see fall Um, and so you're going to direct your dog to that blind with a series of hand and whistle signals. Right. So I know we've got very little time left, Bill. Um, the show goes so fast tonight. We probably, I want to bring David back. Sure. Because I want to talk a little bit more about basic training probably uh, the next time we, we, we have the show. But just to finish up, David, I will say that one of the things I love about HRC that you, you've talked about to listeners tonight is it's, it's really uh, for a hunter because the situations seem to be more like hunting, particularly, I'm going to give you credit. Well, everybody always loves when David judges the test of water because it's going to be realistic. It's going to be in a sticky, <laughs> nasty pond. It looks like something you're going to shoot wood ducks in. And if you're used to hunting there, you're not scared of it. If you don't hunt in that, yep, your dog may have some trouble because there's a lot of junk in there. Uh, but it does yeah. do what you want, which is 
figure that dog out. But, David, thanks for tonight. We'll come back next time and we'll talk again. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Billy. I look forward to it. Thank you, and thank you, Major. Great job. Learned a lot, as always, when I listen in on SC Wild. And thank you, Major Downer, and thank you, David. Uh, Have a great night, everybody. See you tomorrow night here on Sports Talk.